Good morning and welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Appreciate so much your presence. If you are a dad, we want to wish you a happy Father's Day. How many, how many dads do we have today in our service? How about granddads? Great-granddads? We'll stop. Do what? Wow. Too much for me. We're certainly grateful for you and your presence today. Appreciate the opportunity to be together. We're grateful for this past week, and we want to express gratitude to all those who participated in our VBS. And I don't think that there's any way that we could adequately say thank you to those that did so much to make this a great week. I know a lot of time and thought and planning went into this week, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm not sure how many hours Debbie Williams, I'm not sure how many hours she spent here at the building, but I know it was a lot. And so we're very grateful for her and for uh, the great work that she did. And we're grateful to each of you, our teachers and all those who were working behind the scenes. You made it a great week, and so we appreciate you very much. We're going to be looking today at Psalm 128. Psalm 128. In our study today, we want to think about the theme, the dad who gets it. Some dads truly get it when it comes to their responsibility in the home. And all we can say to those who get it is thank you. And we're very grateful to each of you who, as a father, demonstrate on a daily basis what it means to live a Christian life. The great example you set, the encouraging words that you offer. We're so grateful for all that you do. And today as we look at Psalm 128, I want you to think about with me for just a moment or two some of the traits of a dad who gets it. And I know that we live in a day and time when there are a lot of dads that don't get it, quite frankly. And they don't understand their responsibilities in the spiritual realm and even in the physical realm. But when you read Psalm 128, you're reading about an individual, a man, who gets it. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about his character, his life. Look with me, if you would, at verse 1. The psalmist said, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. In other words, happy. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. There are two basic characteristics that I believe are born out in this verse. First, I think about his reverence in life. The psalmist said, happy is he who fears, or as we might say, reveres the Lord. Do you remember Solomon in Proverbs chapter 1? And the book of Proverbs is a book that accentuates wisdom over foolishness. And there are a lot of traits that are borne out in the book of Proverbs that will enable us to live with wisdom. 
And so Solomon said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To recognize that there is a God, a creator, that made us. That we are blessed to enjoy His handiwork each and every day. And so the psalmist here is talking about somebody whose focus, whose aim in life is to give God the proper reverence that He is due. And so he talks about his reverence in life, but then note if you would, his resolve in life. Blessed or happy is he who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Somebody who genuinely stands in the presence of an almighty God, recognizing that he is worthy of our all, our worship, to recognize the importance of walking within His pathway. God has given us a way to live that, if followed, will bring tremendous blessings to life. A lot of folks in our world today suffer a lot of heartache, turmoil, trials and tribulations because they've chosen to abdicate the Word of God and the will of God in their lives. The psalmist here, however, realizes the importance of walking in the paths of God. You know, John, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, talks about the importance of walking in the light. And really, all, all John is saying is somebody who walks in the light, that individual is walking in accordance with the will of God. He said, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. And so you think about striving to the best of our ability to walk within that straight and narrow pathway. Many, many years ago, Jeremiah the prophet encouraged the people of God who were about to go into Babylonian captivity. He said, Stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old paths. And he said, Wherein is the good way and walk therein. And he said, You'll have rest or you'll find rest for your souls. And you think about what he's saying there. That if we'll walk within the pathway that God has prescribed, we'll, He'll bless us. We will be blessed immeasurably. So here's somebody who genuinely gets it when it comes to character. There's a second thing I want you to see, and that is His contentment. Note, if you would, what the psalmist says in verse 2. He talks about his labor. When you eat the labor of your hands, he said, you shall be happy. And it shall be well with you. Think for a moment about his occupation. I don't know what particular job this individual had in life. But I know this, he was a, as we would say, a working man. A laborer. He was a provider. And the importance that we have as fathers, as husbands, to provide for our own. Now, if you go back and look at verse 1 again, you think about his reverence and his resolve in life. And so the psalmist here is saying, when you eat the labor of your hands, he said, you shall be happy. And the idea is you're going to be content in life. And so you think about his occupation. How many folks in our world today are so busy making a living, they, fail to, they really fail to live, don't they? 
There are a lot of people in life, they're so busy trying to earn a dollar and trying to do this and do that, to climb the corporate ladder, to get ahead in life, they forget to live. And they wake up one day and they realize, you know what? I spent my life working to get this and that and this and that and more and more and more. You know what the Bible says? Godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6, 6. I know what the world says. The world says the more you have, the better you'll be. The world says if you make one dollar, you need to make two. Well, what the Bible says is that you can learn to be content with what you have. A lot of people, sadly, in our world today are not content. And they are caught up in that rat race. And they're so busy, they forget to live. They forget about their children. They forget about their mate. And they make great sacrifices on the altar of materialism. So I think about his occupation, but then think about his gratification. Note, if you would, what he said. When you eat the labor of your hands, he said, you shall be happy. It shall be well with you. The psalmist here is saying, look, God will bless your life. I wish that there were more fathers in our country, in our world, that got it. But I am very grateful to those who do get it. Who understand that when they fulfill their responsibilities in the home, there's a measure of satisfaction that is achieved that can't be achieved in the world, so to speak. I like what he says. When you eat the labor of your hands, he said, you shall be happy. He said, it'll be well with you. If you were to take a poll today and just sit down with most modern-day dads and ask them, are you happy? Are things well with you? What would they say? What would people say? If you were to take that poll, what would you say? Are you happy? Could you say about your home, it's well? I got a good home? The psalmist here he enjoyed life. And I think sometimes it would be helpful for us to maybe step back and realize how quickly life gets away. And so enjoy. Enjoy every day. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. As we say sometimes, smell the roses along the way. Then note, if you would, thirdly, his companion. Look at verse 3. He said, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. A couple of things here. First, I think about, here's a guy that's blessed to have a faithful wife. Now, the Bible says she's fruitful, and we'll talk about that, but she's faithful. There's a lot to be said for having a good wife. Many, many years ago, Solomon said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, Proverbs 18, 22. Years ago, I had the opportunity to listen to a man that I greatly respect. And the individual that I'm thinking about has had his share of heartaches and trials and turmoil. And sadly, 
in many respects, he lost his family. And I remember him saying one time, and he was talking to a group of preachers. And he said, guys, if you have a good wife, he said, you get down on your knees and you thank God for her. What's the old saying? Behind every successful man is a, is a good wife. So you think about, here is a man that has a faithful wife. And there are a couple of things I think about. Number one, a faithful wife will do him good in all ways. Do you remember what the record says in Proverbs chapter 31 and about verse 12? He talks about that virtuous wife whose price is far above rubies. And he said, she will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. To have somebody that is there for you and with you and beside you every single day. What a blessing. And so, not only will she do him good in all ways, but she will do him good, listen to me please, always. That is, she's going to do him good every day, day in, day out, month in, month out. She's always there. Why? Because she's a faithful wife. And so, the psalmist here is saying, look, He's saying, I'm blessed in many, many ways. Number one, I'm blessed because of the character that I demonstrate. I'm blessed because I found contentment. I'm blessed because I have a companion. That is, I have a love in my life. I have the love of my life. And as I think about the fact that he has a faithful wife, he also has a fruitful wife. Listen again, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. You know, I know the Bible talks about on many occasions that the husband is the head of the wife, and that's true. That's God's plan, that the husband be the spiritual leader in the home, that the husband serve as the protector, the provider for his mate. But if the husband is the head of the home, then the wife is the heart of the home, isn't she? In other words, she's the very heartbeat of the home. And listen to what he says again. He said, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Here's what I think about the woman, the wife. She is the centerpiece of the home, isn't she? She's the centerpiece. Now, we can say what we want to say, but really, it all revolves around the mother, doesn't it? The mother, the wife. Why? Because not only is she the centerpiece of the home, but she is the caretaker of the home. Look, as hard as we may try as a guy, we can't manage the home like a woman can. That's her domain. That's her castle. And so here's the psalmist. The psalmist says, look, she is the very heart. She is the heartbeat, the essence of our home. Everything revolves around her, flows through her. Now, if you read 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul talks about the younger women marrying, bearing children, and then he says, managing or guiding the house. And that's, that's the idea. That's her domain. 
And let me tell you what, if you've got a good wife and she takes care of the home on a daily basis, you're a blessed person. Now note if you would, not just his character, his contentment, his companion, but think about his children. He said, your children like olive plants all around your table. Now, you think about a plant, an olive plant. Plants have to be cultivated and cared for, don't they? I don't think that they grow and become fertile by accident, typically. And so, children like plants need what? They need care and they need cultivation, don't they? Now you think about an olive vine or a vine growing up the side of the house. That vine attaches itself to the side of a house and it continues to grow and to flourish. Well, who's supporting that vine? The house is, isn't it? By the same token, those of us that are fathers or husbands, we are to be the strength the support system, if you please, in the home. So we support our mate just as our mate supports us. We support her. But what about the care and cultivation of children? I mentioned a moment ago that the father is to be the spiritual leader in the home. And so in order to provide proper care and cultivation in the home. There's some, things, there's some ingredients that have to happen, that have to be present in order for this home life to flourish and blossom. So what are they? Number one, it's going to take some time, isn't it? I can't stress enough how we need to be very careful, conscientious, if you please, with our time. I promise you, time will get away. I know that Time goes the same for everybody on planet Earth, doesn't it? But it seems the older you get, the quicker time passes. I don't know why that is, but it's true. And so as a young father, as a young mother, I would encourage you, spend time with your children. They will bless your life, but you can be a blessing to them. Paul says, redeem the time because the days are evil. You think about the world in which we live. Our children are not able to live in a vacuum or in a bubble. We can't isolate them forever. So we have to spend time with them, and in that time that we spend with them, what do we do? We teach them, don't we? What was it Paul said? And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To, to teach them the ways of God. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses, in legislating the behavior of Israelite parents, said that they were to love the Lord their God with all, of, with all of their heart, soul, and strength. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, in other words, you instruct your children in my law. You've got your children for about 18 years. Once they go to college, basically they're on their own, aren't they? So you think about trying to teach and then train your children. In Titus chapter 2, Paul talks about the aged men and the aged women teaching or training the younger. We have such an awesome responsibility before us. 
I like to think about a child as a piece of clay. And you take that clay and you begin to shape it and to mold it and to make it into something that's useful. Well, by the same token, that's what we're doing with children. Do you remember what was said about Jesus? That he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That's a well-rounded person, isn't it? You're growing mentally, physically, spiritually. You're growing as God would have you to grow. And then there's another thing I would, would offer, and that is it takes tenderness. Plants, by their very nature, are somewhat fragile, aren't they? Now, there may be some that are more hardy than others, but by and large, plants are tender. Well, when it comes to children, don't we need to exercise a measure of tenderness in terms of how we deal with them? What was it Paul said? Provoke not your children to wrath. Now look, do I believe in discipline? Absolutely. And I think that if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that God expects those of us who are parents to discipline our children. Why? Because we love them. And because discipline will keep them in check, keep them where they need to be. But there is a measure of tenderness that we need to exercise because Paul said, provoke not your children to wrath. The idea is you can be so harsh and overbearing and dictatorial that your children, rather than responding favorably and positively, they bow up and they rebel. So just like you use tenderness with a plant, you have to be tender with your children. Sometimes they need a hug. Sometimes they need some encouragement, don't they? Sometimes they need a measure of compassion. Maybe even some sympathy at times. And so as a parent, we have that opportunity. And then there's a fifth thing I want to share with you very quickly. And that is his contribution. So listen now to what the psalmist says in verse 4. As he ties it all together, sums it up as we would say. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. First, think about his prosperity. What was it he said? Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. What is the reason? What's the reason for his prosperity. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why he is prospering. Why he is blessed. Why he is happy. Because he fears God. Because his life is centered on God. If your life is centered on God and if your life is what it ought to be, you're going to be blessed. And we talk about sowing and reaping. A lot of folks, they want to sow bad seed and they want to reap a good harvest. Doesn't work that way. You got to sow good seed to reap a good harvest. And so if you try to follow what the Bible has to say, and you live with God at the apex of your life, if everything is revolving around God, then you're going to be blessed. You will be a prosperous person spiritually. You remember Gaius in 3 John? John said, Beloved, I pray or wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Listen to him even as your soul prospers. Your prosperity is tied to your spirituality, isn't it? So you think about his prosperity and then note his posterity. He said, you may see 
your children's children. In other words, you're going to have some descendants. Now you think about your ancestry for a moment. Think about some of your ancestors. And as you look back over your family tree, and you look at all the people that make up your family, your home life, your family unit, could I ask you a question? Those family members that are now deceased, can you make a difference in their life today? Can you change how they're living? You know what the answer is? No. Why? Because they're gone. They are your blood ancestors. You can't change your ancestry. But you can change the course of your posterity. In other words, your descendants. Do you remember what Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verse 6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. So, as a father, as a dad, look, if you get it, and I think you do, if you get it, you're working right now. This very hour, you're working to set in motion a course that will bless your children's lives. And not only will it bless your children's lives, but it will bless your children's children. That is, your grandchildren, won't it? But it all goes back to one thing. You know what it is? A life centered on God. So, there are some dads that get it. And I know that many, many of you, you get it. And I appreciate you very much. It might be the case that you're here today and you're not a Christian. But you're a dad. And you realize that those little fellas, they're watching your behavior. They listen to what you say. They watch how you live. And you need to do better. Could I suggest that you become a Christian? That you begin today living a Christian life. The only way to live. It'll bless your life. Well, what would you need to do? First, you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Then the Bible says you need to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess the name of Jesus before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. If you will do that, God will put you in the church and you'll be among the saved, Ephesians 5, 23. If you'll be faithful till death, the promise is a crown of life. Now, it might be you're here today and you're a dad. And maybe you're a Christian, but for whatever reason, you haven't gotten it for a long time. But you get it now. Did you know you can make it right? Did you know you can come home to the Lord? That God will abundantly pardon and forgive you? If you're here today and maybe you need the prayers of the church, look, we'd be happy to help you in any way we can as we stand and sing.